The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Hallelujah. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. To the altar we have come to receive all that you rose for us to partake of. And we say thank you because your presence is here with us. Thank you because every man will be blessed. Thank you because every life will be transformed. Thank you because everyone will come in contact with you and have a definite encounter that will start a new season in their lives. Father, we give you praise. Thank you for fire. Thank you for fresh fire. Thank you for fresh outpouring. Thank you because your fire will consume all that needs to be consumed and it will set on course the things that need to be set on course. Father, we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. If you believe that your life will not remain the same after this service, I want you to give God a big shout of praise. Wow! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I have your seats? Welcome your neighbor. Tell them how good they're looking this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, please ensure um, you mark your attendance. Um, it closes 30 minutes from now. Um, that um, will be like around quarter past nine. Um, by quarter past nine, um, registration and attendance will be closed. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, I want to appreciate Pastor T for giving me this wonderful opportunity to bring God's word um, to this faithful assembly. Um, and my belief is that God will, um, will meet you at the very point of your need and start something, catalyze, make something start afresh in your life. Hallelujah. So we're talking about basics of Christianity and Kingsword Mission and um, the local church. Praise God. Um, what's the objective? Um, it means to help believers develop, um, um, objective is to help believers develop a sense of purpose and ministry. And our foundational scripture is Hebrews 6, um, verses 1 to 3, where Paul talks about the fact that let's not lay again the foundations um, of repentance from dead works, um, of faith towards God, baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of dead, and eternal judgment. So there are basics of Christianity. There are foundational scriptures, foundations of Christianity. It says, if the um, foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do praise God, and that's why we're going over this again. So we'll just jump straight into it. So um, the outline is: um, we're going to be talking about repentance from dead works, faith, baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, brief a brief history of King's Word uh, ministries, our statements of belief, and our core values, which are the standards of our measurement um, for our conducts and everything we believe. Glory to God. Now, um, so let's go straight to it: repentance from dead works. Now, repentance is a change of mind and attitude leading to a change of action. And the first thing I want us to note about that definition is that it doesn't say repentance um, is a change of action. No, repentance is a con change of action is a consequence of repentance. Praise God. Um, meaning that I can be doing all the right things on the outside, but if no adjustment has happened in my heart, and in my soul, where that thing is concerned, repentance has not happened. So repentance is first and foremost internal. And repentance, the other thing here I want you to notice says here is repentance is a change of mind and attitude. A change of mind, meaning you are shifting from one position to another position. And what are we shifting from? Second Chronicles 7.14 says that if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves, and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Praise God. So repentance is a turning. It's a turning from our wicked ways, from the wicked way. What is wickedness? Um, Pastor T has been using a definition for wickedness that I've, I, I love so much, which is being twisted. Wickedness means being twisted. I mean, if you break that word wicked down, um, weak head. Weak is the, you get that word weak. You know what the weak is? It's the tread in the candle. The kerosene stove, that's what we call weak. It means it's twisted. I mean, a twisted way of thinking. So we are changing the way we are thinking from one way to the other. What is that way? From a wicked way. You know, Jesus, God said that my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your thoughts. So we used to think one way when we are in the kingdom of darkness, but now we are thinking a new way. You know, there's a way um, the world thinks about money, right? We think about money. Once you listen to the music, now they say, oh, Nikoko, right? Now the, believer, the unbeliever might say, oh, Nikoko. The believer cannot say, oh, Nikoko. 
Do you get what I'm trying to say? That was the way you used to think, but you can't think that way anymore. There was a way we used to think about sickness. We think that anybody can be sick. The believer doesn't think that anybody can be sick. We believe that Jesus Christ, part of what he did on the cross was that he bore our griefs, carried our sicknesses, and by his stripes we are healed. So there's a shift. We are not thinking the way we used to think, but we are thinking in a new light. And what is a dead walk? A dead walk is anything we do which is contrary to the word of God. And the other thing that I like to emphasize there is that this change of mind is not something that happens in your conscious mind. It's something that happens in your heart, in the depth of your soul. Praise God. It's not something that happens in your conscious You know, there's a conscious mind where I say, okay, I want to go outside there. That's not where all our actions stems from our subconscious. Praise God. Paul says that, um, Proverbs says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So in that deep part of our soul is where that adjustment happens. And if that adjustment doesn't happen in that place, any other thing will not work. Praise God. Hallelujah. So what are the marks of true repentance? True repentance, godly sorrow. Godly sorrow speaks of um, um, a remorsefulness. You, you feel bad about whatever is, is done. Now, if that thing happens in the depth of your heart, there's a sense of sadness. You don't feel good. As a believer, you don't feel good for doing wrong. You know, a believer, an, unbelie an unbeliever will, 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 will count, you know, he can keep a record of all the ladies he has been sleeping with. If you're a guy, your trophies are, ah, I've been able to sleep with like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten ladies, but not a believer. An unbeliever, a believer that is Caught, that falls into that kind of sin as his heart pricked that ah, I'm, I'm, I'm living the wrong way. Praise God. So a mark of repentance is godly sorrow. The other bit of it is confession of sin. It's not, only, it's not good enough that you, right, you feel bad about it. It is that you must confess. You must, you must open your mouth. Confession is that you're acknowledging that you are wrong. That's where that process starts. So a mark of repentance is that you are confessing that sin. You cannot say, it's almost like a wife, and you are in a relationship with someone. The person knows he has done something wrong, and the person just keeps silent about it. Man, you should understand now that I feel bad now. You know, there's a way you don't accept. Yes, you might understand that the person, you know, you, know, you talk to people sometimes, and they say that, since I've known this guy, this guy has never said sorry before. I understand you, right? I understand you, but fundamentally that now forsaking. So the other bit is forsaking sin. Forsaking sins mean I stop um, what I'm doing. That's like the physical action, but it starts from repentance. And the other thing is hatred of sin, meaning that the desire for that thing just leaves you automatically. Now, repentance, like I've said before, repentance is an attitude of the heart that enhances your fellowship with God. Hallelujah. Now, the next foundation of faith is um, faith. It says, faith is a demonstration of confidence and trust in God and his word. A demonstration of confidence. Another way to look at that is that you have come to that place where you've lost confidence in your abilities, where you've lost confidence in what you can do in yourself, and your entire confidence and your entire trust is in God and his word. Because you understand that that is the most powerful thing in the whole universe. We have come into that place where you have realized that all of this material universe stemmed out from the word of God and that all that happens within this material universe is under the control of God's word. So you put your confidence in that word. Praise God. Hallelujah. Everything is wrong by the word. All things are held together by the word of his power. So you put your confidence on that word. And that is the only way we can get to please God. I think Pastor Taffy did a good job in letting us understand that the only way we can please God and make God happy is by having deep confidence in his word. Hallelujah. That's the only way we can have confidence. And that's the only way we can lay hold on all the things that God has given to us. So the earlier you, we make up our minds to live by faith, the better for us in our journey as Christians. Now, faith, which we say is very important to God, is a function of the time we spend in the Word. Consistent meditation, hearing and confession of the world results in great faith. What this tells us is that faith is not just going to drop on you like ripe cherries from a tree. Praise God. You're not just going to wake up tomorrow and find out that I have great faith. If you don't create the environment for faith, great faith is not automatic. Praise God. It's not just going to happen to you. It's not just going to happen that you just started having big faith. There is an environment for the word. So we will, as Christians and as baby Christians and as established Christians, we need to create a lifestyle of consistently meditating on the word no matter how busy we are. Praise God. No matter how busy we are, no matter how 
caught up in the whole Lagos business, the busy traffic we are, we need to create a lifestyle where we consistently meditate on the word. And there's no faith without meditation, no faith without hearing the word, and no faith without confessing the word. If you're not doing any one of those things, somewhere your, 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 your practice of faith um, is coming short. So build a system around that. Now, faith, now, you know, when we talk about great faith, there's a tendency to now think that the burden to build that faith is on you. When we say build great faith, especially when you see people that have done great things, there's a tendency to think that, ah, those guys are special. But what the good news is that faith is a gift from God. Hallelujah. That is a, faith is a good gift from God. It's, a, it's something you can do. Praise God. It is something that is your nature. It is your nature to believe. You don't, you don't muzzle it up to believe. It is your nature to believe. You can believe. And Jesus said, if you have faith as small, all, for faith, all you need is a size of, um, the size of faith that you need is the size of a mustard seed faith. Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed faith, if it's as little as that, what will happen is that a mountain can be moved. You can do the impossible. Which is, and you have the capacity to do the impossible. It is a gift. But what do you do with that gift? You basically plant it as a seed. The reason why a lot of people's faith and a lot of us, our faith, sometimes falls short is that we have not planted it. A seed is a very powerful thing, until, but if you put it on the table, it doesn't work. Until you put it into the ground, it, that's when you see the power of a seed. You don't need a big seed. I mean, all the seeds that we used to plant, some of them, we don't have any seed that is as big as this. Why? Because that's not its power. The power is in itself. And that's what it is. Your faith is powerful to do anything. And the moment you put it into the ground, you'll be shocked, and you'll be shocked at the things you can make happen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You can buy malls. You can build global corporations by your faith the moment you put it into the ground. Ultimately, faith is about acting on that word. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So let's talk about um, baptisms. Um, there are three major baptisms. What is baptism? Baptism basically just speaks of immersion, being buried, immersion, being buried into something. And we were buried when we became born again. And first place we were buried into was the body of Christ. Hallelujah. The body of Christ. I know a lot of times it's because we don't see these things physically, so we don't come to appreciate the depth of the things that has happened for us in Christ. We were buried into the body of Christ, meaning that that thing that is flowing in Christ, that power that is flowing in Christ, we've been buried into the body of believers. Glory to God. Now, we're baptized. there's another baptism, which is baptism in the water. Now, baptism in, baptism in the water is an identification with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, and a public declaration for him. So when I go, we had baptism two weeks ago. What I'm doing, um, baptism for some people two weeks ago, what we are doing when we go to baptize is that we are saying that something happened in our spirit, and we are giving um, a physical testimony to that. What happened in our spirit? We were buried with Christ. Hallelujah. We were buried with Christ. We were united with him, buried with him. And when we were buried, what was buried with him was our old man. Glory to God. That old man of failure, that old man of weakness, that old man of sin. So for you to keep looking at yourself in the old light is that you don't understand what happened to you as a believer. Glory to God. That old man of failure is no more, no more there. That guy that used to be a sinner is no longer there. When you rose up from the dead, a new man came forth. Glory to God. And that man carries the seed of God. That man carried the seed. And that's what we remind ourselves when we go in into that word. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. It says this is the initial infilling of the Holy Spirit that is accompanied by speaking in an unknown tongue. Meaning that this is the place where the third member of the Godhead comes to sit in us. You know, that's an amazing fact. I mean, I can't get over that fact that as I'm standing here, the Holy Ghost is dwelling in me. You know, there's a scripture that Pastor T has been quoting a lot, which is, he said, he said, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. And why should you do that? Because don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? That thing happened. I mean, don't get over that fact that you carry God. I mean, when it, don't get over it. It's not a simple fact that we are carriers of God. Hallelujah. That happened in baptism. You are a carrier of God. Tell your brother and say, tell your brother and the person sitting next to you and tell him, you're a carrier of God. God is dwelling on your inside. God is abiding on your inside. So don't get used to the idea. Don't get used to the idea. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Um, the next um, foundational truth there is laying on of hands. Now, it involves placing hands upon the body of another person for the purpose of spiritual impartation and transference. Glory to God. I think this is, it's, it's a wonderful privilege that human beings can lay hands and God's power can flow 
through that hand into a, I mean, it's a big privilege. It's a big privilege that, and it's, it has nothing to do whether you're a pastor or you're humble. Like Jesus said, what did Jesus say? He said, you shall lay hands on the sick and they, can, they shall recover. It's not only the pastor that can lay hands on the sick and they can recover. You can lay hands on the sick and they can recover because you carry God and you have now become the transmitter of God. Don't look for God. You know, Paul said something. He said, don't ask who shall go to heaven and bring him down. Or we shall go to the grave and bring him back from the dead. Say, so what does he say? The word of faith is ninety in your heart and in your mouth. God is in you. And when you lay hands on people, you transfer something to people. You need to start telling yourself that every day. I carry God. And when I lay hands on the sick, they recover. When I lay hands on people, circumstances change. Glory to God. Laying on hands was a common practice in the Old Testament, which is still relevant in the New Testament. Glory to God. You know, um, laying on of hands is carried out for the following purpose. To impart healing. Glory to God. So you can lay hands on the sick. And that's why we lay hands on the sick. You know, in all those denominational churches, they don't do a lot of laying on of hands. Maybe it's a lot better now. Those, um, those um, um, old churches, maybe now it's a lot better. They, they, they see why should we lay hands, on, lay hands on people, right? But that thing is the point of contact for the spiritual. And when you lay hands on the sick, they become um, whole. To impart baptism of the Holy Spirit. To impart spiritual gifts and blessing and to set people apart for specific assignment. That's why we lay hands. So I want people to, I want to, I want to, somebody wants to step into an office. Somebody wants to step into, that's why when doing Supernatural or doing the workers' conference, we take time out. When we want to separate people for, for a work of service, we lay our hands on them and they are separated. And from that moment, what happens? Something fresh comes upon them. And when we lay hands, it's not that we just lay hands. There's something that comes on you. Glory to God. I might not see it. I might not be able to feel it. I might not be able to touch it. But there's something tangible that has come upon us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Leaning of hands should be done with caution, especially when it involves separating people for specific ministerial assignments. Glory to God. Now, the last basic, um, the other one is resurrection of the dead. Glory to God. I love this one. It says, it literally means rising up from the dead. It is the basis of our Christian faith, meaning that you cannot separate this issue of rising up from the dead from what it means to be a believer. Glory to God. I mean, you cannot separate it. And it is not a myth. It is not a myth that people rose up from the dead. It's not a story. It's not a myth like um, Black Panther that they just constructed somewhere and somebody just constructed the idea. It's not a myth. It is real. People rise up from the dead. Glory to God. And it's the central part of our belief in the body. Um, um, he said there are a number of examples of people that were raised from the dead in the scripture. Jesus was raised from the dead because he satisfied the claims of justice and the, uh, where redemption of man was concerned. He satisfied the claims of death. He satisfied. And why is the doctrine of resurrection of the dead pretty important? Why is it important? Just give me um, two minutes. You see, if there's anything humanity is afraid of, is death. We're all afraid of death. We're all afraid of death. Whether you are rich, whether you are poor, whether you are old, whether you are young, everybody is afraid of death. But thank God that Jesus Christ came and he destroyed death where we were concerned. Right? So death no longer has the power it used to have anymore. Death no longer has the rulership it used to have over you and I anymore. And the moment Jesus Christ rose up from the dead, that was abolished. Glory to God. I know, if you, know, if you read your Bible, you will see that they said that, um, what's his name, Methuselah lived 100, 969 years. Do you know God's plan was that we should live forever? God's plan was that we should live for 900 years, 1,000 years, 2,000 years. But when sin came, that thing was canceled. And what Jesus Christ came to do was he came to restore that plan of God for us to live forever on the earth. So what we are doing here is just part-time. We're just tasting this thing. We're coming back. Glory to God. We're coming back. And when we come back this time, we'll come back stronger. It says, that which was sown in corruption shall be reaped incorruptible. That which was sown, oh yes, in weakness shall be reaped, shall rise um, in, in power. That which was sown, um, 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 sown in, 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 in physical, but we shall rise spiritual. So we're coming back. Glory to God. And we're coming back to enjoy this earth. I mean, you think you've seen stuff. I mean, science is blowing up our minds over and over again. But wait till we come back. Glory to God. Wait till you and I come back to this earth. And when we come back, we won't have, we won't have all this problems that we're having in our body. You know, some people are born blind. 
Some people are born with weakness in our body, but the moment we come back a second time, glory to God, we will have the same body that Jesus Christ had. Glory to God. We will be functioning at the level of his intelligence. Do, do, are you not amazed that the intelligence that is running this universe, that's what we will be functioning in when we come back a second time. And the only way we are going to have that access is by Jesus Christ. Glory to God. And that's why you need to talk to your brothers, you need to talk to your family, and say, God, we are coming back. We are coming back. We are going to come and enjoy this earth again. So ensure that your brothers, your sisters, and everybody gets saved. Because only those who believe in Christ will be able to partake in the resurrection. And when our brothers and sisters die, what do we do? We encourage ourselves with that message that we are coming back. Glory to God. The redemption of our body is the final phase of manifestation of our redemption. This involves mortality being swallowed up by mortality. Eternal judgment. There's eternal blessing in heaven as well as judgment in hell. We believe that all that we do does not end here, right? We believe as Christians that all that we do in this side of eternity does not finish here. There's a consequence for the things that we do in the other life. We're coming back. And whether you come back in hell or you come back in heaven is dependent on how we live and lead our lives on this side of heaven. Some teachings on eternal judgment are unscriptural. What are these teachings? Annihilation, meaning that human beings, I mean, atheists don't believe that we are coming a second time. That when we die, we have died. If we just go into eternal blackness, that is a lie. Do not be deceived. There are those who talk about purgatory, meaning that there is a place, there is a purgatory speaks of um, for Catholic. I, wasn't, I was ever a Catholic, but at least my little understanding of what it means, purgatory means is that there is a holding place before you get into heaven into heaven or hell, and you can buy people's soul from there. If you, don't do, if you don't buy your heaven from here, forget it. There is no other purgatory that you buy anything from. Sorry for my Catholic brothers. I'm not trying to, um, to, to bust your bubble. Praise God. Now, universal reconciliation. There are some people who believe that without, that God is so loving that, that the old, that, that God is so loving that ultimately, the entire creation will be saved, ultimately. Mm. Bible doesn't say that, though. Now, saints and sinners will be judged differently. Sinners, and I like to say here that the reason why you'll be judged, you know, there are those who think that how well I do, whether I do good or bad, is what's going to determine whether I go to heaven or not. It's not good or bad, whether you do good or bad. As, as unreasonable as that sounds, that's not what determines whether we go to heaven. The sinner is just going to be judged for one thing and one thing alone. Did you accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? Because nothing you ever do can ever save you. Have you not figured that out by now? Nothing you ever do can ever save you. Your good works will never save you. So Jesus Christ took your, your pain, did everything for you, and the only thing that will condemn you at the end of the day is that you did not accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. For Christians, we are not going to be judged in the sense that we are going to heaven on hell, but we are going to be judged for the work of our hands, for the things we did with what God gave to us. Glory to God. What did you do with your talent? What did you do with your skills? What did you do with the things that I gave you? That's what God is going to judge you for. And that is going to determine, you know, when Jesus was talking to them with the parallel of the talent, he said, apparently when he was giving them the talent, he was thinking in his mind, he was thinking about setting them over cities. Glory to God. When God was giving them the talents, he was thinking about, I'm setting you over cities. So these talents that God has given to us, in the next world to come, there are people that will be reigning. They will be governors. They will be kings. They will be governors running over multiple cities. And what will happen is, what will determine it is what you do. So when we tell you, come and serve in church, it is because we are giving you an opportunity to rule over cities in the kingdom to come. Hallelujah. Eternal judgment is separation from God. Glory to God. What is eternal judgment? That's, that's what it simply means. Separation from God. But that place will now burn like fire. Glory to God. It will, it will burn like fire. You know, some people think that hell is um, just a fiery place. No. The, what, what it is is that where God is not is a place of pain. Where God is not is a place of pain. So eternal judgment is that you'll be separated. God will just give man what he has always wanted. Man said, I don't want you as God. God will say, okay, I've granted your request. Now stay without me and stay in your hell. And that place is a place of pain and condemnation. So that's why we must evangelize to become, make evangelism a priority. A soul winner is wise. Because we understand, Paul was saying it, he said, because we know, because we know these things, he said we are now become, we, are, we now have the fear of God and we conduct ourselves right. Knowing that eternal judgment is there, knowing that we are going to be judged, what that should do is stay up 
a, a design us to save our brothers, save our friends, save our family. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So let us talk about um, um, the Kingsword mission. Kingsword Ministries International was inaugurated on the 21st of November 1997. We all know that. We did our 20th um, year um, anniversary last year. Now, this was in the month of August 1990. The president of the ministry, Dr. K. Karade Jisheson, had a divine encounter with God where he was instructed by God to raise a supernatural army for him. So after seven years of solid preparation in the ministry, Kingsword Ministry International was formally inaugurated. So Kingsword Ministries International actually started in OA, on OAU campus, on OAU campus, um, on OAU, so before the church started in the city church, it started in OAU campus. When we said they had seven years of ministry, those seven years of ministry were in campus, outside campus, and all of that. And in that place, God had built a solid foundation enough for the church to come to the main city. Glory to God. Now, the ministry presently has churches in three different continents, Africa, Europe, and North America. And our headquarters is um, in where? Chicago, right? Chicago, Illinois, where um, Abraham Lincoln came out from. When, uh, that's Abraham Lincoln City. That's um, Obama City. Glory to God. So that's where our headquarters is, and this is the... Um, <laughs> Glory to God. So we are international. We're a global ministry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, our vision statement. What is our vision? To raise a supernatural people of the word and the spirit. That is what I call. Now, the first thing about this unction, one of the few things that attracted me to King's word was it was so much about the people, the product of the ministry. You know, I saw ordinary people doing great things, as in being transformed. And I was like, what is it about this anointing that just changes people this much? The people that were in, you know, I was in campus when I joined the ministry, and I saw a lot of young people doing stuff, um, showing themselves, I'm like, I must be a part of this. Though I joined late, but at the end of the day, what, what, that thing that raised them was what attracted me, and that's what this ministry is about. Once you come in, it raises you. It raises you to be a supernatural person, a person of the word and a person of the spirit. Glory to God. And why are we raising a supernatural army? When we just don't want to raise a supernatural army for the sake of raising a supernatural army. The essence of raising a supernatural army is that, you know, um, at the New Year Eve, Pastor T was saying that if you under, that one of the biggest problems is that we underestimate the things that we need. Uh, underestimation is one of the big, um, one of those big things that we need to take care of. And he said, if some people underestimate, if you're in this world, if you're in this nation, as in if you're born in this country, right, if you're born in this country, you know you already are in, in big issues, as in if you're a native of this country, you're in big issues. Now, last, last year, I traveled to five states in the north, and one of the few things that occurred to me was, what if I was born in this place? What if I was born in Syria? What if I was born in Pakistan? Maybe you're in Lagos. You know, if you are born in Lagos, it's a better thing to be born in Lagos than to be born in Katsina, in the, in the hamlets in Katsina. Right? So the odds is stacked against the natural human being. The supernatural is the way by which we equalize those odds. Glory to God. The super, and that's what we are doing. It says we are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. The supernatural is how we equalize it. That's why the supernatural is important. When you don't know anybody to give you that job, when you don't know any, when, when the doctors have given up on you, the supernatural is what gives you hope in the face of hopeless super, um, situations. And that is the essence of us. So we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Glory to God. And that's the essence of it. And it takes a man of the word and the spirit to be able to access that supernatural. Glory to God. I finally watched the Black Panther um, a couple of days ago. I know what struck me about that movie was they said um, the secret of that, of that city was what they call the vibranium. You know, our secret, our secret is the supernatural. I mean, what made them different? Our secret is the supernatural. Glory to God. And so we need to embrace it. That's, what, that's the essence of what we're trying to do. That is what we're trying to do. Now, what is our mission? To empower you to live by the word, fulfill your God-given purpose, and establish a supernatural lifestyle. So we have um, our faith statement, what we believe. We believe there's one God eternally existent, in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe the Bible is written word of God, inspired by God. The Bible is not what we put under our table. 
The Bible is the word of God. It's God speaking to us. So when we read the Bible, we know it is God that is speaking to us. We believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, was crucified, died, buried, that he rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God. You know, the Muslim will say God did not have a wife. So I did, did have a son. That, you, you, you yet don't understand what is going on. We believe that God gave back to a son. Some, someone came out of his loins, and his name was Jesus Christ. So we believe in the sinless, um, sinless life, that he lived the sinless life, and he was born of a virgin. It says, we believe in the redemptive work of Christ, that the redemptive work of Christ has provided salvation for the spirit. So we believe in healing for the body, liberty and deliverance from all oppressions and evil work. We also believe in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in believers and baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You know we speak, we, we speak in tongues a lot, yeah. It's our heritage. Hallelujah. If you're a Kingsword person, you speak in tongues a lot. Glory to God. It's our heritage because we know that that's the doorway into the supernatural. There's no walking in the supernatural without extended time praying in the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. We believe in water baptism in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the sanctifying work of the Word and the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer. That it is by the Word, it is not that we don't become good by the force of our will. That we don't become good because I willed to do it. That it is the Word of God that produces goodness in us. It's the Word of God that removes the goodness that God has put in our spirits in us, that we believe in that sanctifying work, that the Holy Spirit is the one that makes us holy, that the Word of God is what makes us holy. We believe in the rapture of the church. We don't talk a lot about rapture anymore, but we believe in it. Glory to God. And we believe that Jesus Christ is coming a second time. We believe in bringing tithes and offering into the local church. We believe in giving to and caring for the needy, whether poor, sick, homeless or otherwise fortunate. So what are our core values? Spirit-filled lifestyle. So to walk, what are the standards of our measurement? If you say you're a king's word believer, what you must ensure, you, these are things that you must ensure are basically running consistently in your life. You must be spirit-filled. You must be spirit-filled. Hallelujah. What does it mean to be spirit-filled? I mean, there's a definition that Pastor T gave two years ago that I understood it was accurate, but I didn't get I didn't get the actual diet. I couldn't get it. I was like, ah, yes, it's correct. But you know, when you, get, when you know something is correct, but somehow you don't have your hands around it. He says, being filled with the Spirit is the Holy Ghost having more of you, right? And I mean, beginning of this year, when, um, when they were leading one of those songs, where uh, Tasha Cobbs said, fill me up till I overflow. I want to run over. To be filled is to be so full of God that you don't have any space for your own agenda. You don't have space for your own thoughts. You don't have space for your own opinions. Glory to God. And that's what the Christian is. That's what the believer is. We, um, the King's Word person is. We are so full of God, so full of the Holy Spirit, we don't have space for any other agenda. We don't have any space for our own opinions. And wherever we see that he has not entered, we are dragging him to fill that space. Glory to God. So, you know, the Holy Spirit can fill this part and not fill that other. We are constantly in that place where we are letting him to fill every area of our lives. Fill our desires. Fill our thoughts. Fill our emotions. We also believe in the uncompromising word of God as the final authority. That the ground on which we stand to enter into the supernatural is the word of God. Glory to God. It's the ground on which we stand. And that it is the final authority. What our body says is unimportant. What the economy says is unimportant. What men see about us is unimportant. Men might not believe in me, but the word of God says I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Men might not accept me. Might not accept me, but scripture says I am accepted in the beloved. So I don't need you to, 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 to accept me. Once God has accepted me, it's important. So that is what we are. The word, the word of God says about who I am is what I believe. It's on, on, come, I am unrepentant in believing what God says about me. Whether you agree with it or not is your business, but if God has said, this is who I am, as a king's word believer, that is the basis of our authority. Glory to God, of, of how we live. Glory. If he has said it, nothing else counts. Glory to God. We are all going. It's not like this is where we are. Glory to God. We are growing in all of these things. There are still areas in our lives where God's word is not final authority, but we keep making sure that we are developing on a constant basis. Purposeful living, we believe that we are here for a purpose. Glory to God. That our lives is not ours. Jesus says all the things that our lives says, except the Lord builds a city. He says the labor in vain they are building. Except the Lord watches over a city, the watchman watch in vain. That God is the author of it all. That we didn't just show up here. That God had a plan for us to be here. 
God has a plan for your life. You're not just existing. Glory to God. You're not just existing. Scripture says that those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his dear son. Oh, yes, to be conformed to the image of his dear son. says, and them that he predestined, meaning that you already have a predestined, them that he predestined, he called to be justified. called. Them that he called, he justified. Glory to God. So the image, where God has placed you, is that he wants you to do what? To be conformed to the image of God. So God has a plan. He says, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have towards you. They're not thoughts of evil, but thoughts to give you a future and an expected, um, expected end. Excellent way of love. Excellent way of love. The excellent way of love, you know, how many of you know Superman? Superman. Superman. The, when, when we talk about Superman, what is the weakness of Superman? Kryptonite, right? For us, our kryptonite, our kryptonite, that thing that makes us weak is offense, hatred. Glory to God. That's our kryptonite. The moment offense starts sinking in, we know that we've, you have had us. Glory to God. The moment offense, hatred, maliciousness, evil thoughts, thinking wrongly about my neighbor, steps in into us, that's supernatural. We're not going to work in it. We know that you have taken away our power. Glory to God. And so when the devil wants to set you up, you know what he does? He will bring offense around you. We understand that. So we keep it far away from us. It is not in our culture to keep offense. Even when someone does you wrong and you have even gotten angry, you know that what the devil is trying to actually take from you is your, your strength and your power. Glory to God. The reality of the new creation and Christ Jesus. I mean, we are new creation people. Glory to God. We know we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We know we have the life of God. Glory to God. We know that we have the life of God. We know we are born of God. We know the life of God indwells us. We know we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Right, God? So that is the foundation. I mean, our new creation, we are an unrepentantly new creation. Glory to God. We unrepentantly believe on who we are. We don't believe we are just ordinary Christian, good people. No, good people. God did a definite work in us. He says, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. For if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. All things have become new. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we want to go to the church. Hallelujah. <laughs> Those people that know, know. <laughs> Glory to God. So, the church. To help to help, the objective of this class is to help students understand the purpose and the role of the church in order to maximize the benefits of belonging to a local church. So, introduction. It says, where the purpose of a thing, in this case the church, is not known or properly understood, abuse and suboptimal results are worth inevitable. It says there are loads of personal opinions, traditional opinions, and public opinions of what the church is and what it's meant to do. The place and the purpose of the church is also often misunderstood by believers as well. Hence, many are not living in the fullness available as members of the church. Glory to God. So let us look at what the church of God is. What is the church? The word church or assembly, the Greek, Greek being ecclesia, is a term that is defined as a group of called out ones. It was used excuse me, to refer to a group of believers in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1.1. 1, 1. The New Testament church in Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it and, in, and believers at Colossae. Now the church, the body of Christ is made up of born again, new creation believers who have placed their faith in Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. It has nothing to do with race, denomination, affliction, or social status. Anyone who has put his or her trust in Christ as their personal savior is a member of the body of Christ. The church is not a political organization and is not a social organization. You know, as, you know on, a, on a natural level, when we look at things from a natural standpoint, we can categorize things in different ways. I can say I am a, I can categorize human beings in different ways. I can say this person is Nigerian, this other person is U.S. This person is educated, that person is uneducated. This person is, um, is, is um, old, this one is young. This person is this, that. this person is Yoruba, this person is Igbo, this person is Hausa. You know, I can do all in, in life, in this general life, everything can be, there are many categorizations. But you know the truth, that when you go into the realm of the spirit, there are only two. Everything fizzles out and boils down to only two, darkness, light. 
born again, not born again. Um, everything boils down. So at the end, ultimately, you know, some people have ideas on what they think the church should be, right? But ultimately, at the end of the day, are you in darkness? Are you in light? Because that's where the main problem is. Some people feel that the problem of the world is poverty. As bad as poverty is, poverty is not the problem of the world. Do you get what I'm trying to say? As bad as poverty is, poverty is not the problem of the world. Some people think sickness is the problem of the world. As bad as sickness is sickness, man sinned, went against God, and Jesus is the only person that came and addressed that problem. Glory to God. Jesus was the only one that addressed the real problem. And so believers are the ones that are really, the church is the only body on earth that is really addressing the problem of humanity. Glory to God. As you must come to that place where you appreciate that. I mean, sometimes, you know, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that believers, when you compare yourself to a Donald Trump and you feel a Donald Trump is better than you because he's the president of the United States of America, or you consider, you look at the Dangote, no offense to him, and you look at him and you feel like he's better. I mean, when, you, when God opens your eyes, Banana Island is the best place on earth today, right, in, in Lagos. When you open your eyes in the realm of the spirit, do you know where the Banana Island is? Do you know where the Banana Island is? In the realm of the spirit. It is in the church of God. Every other place is, is squalor, is death all over the place. So you're in a good place. So I don't understand why the believer feels less than that. You know, Paul was standing before King Agrippa, and he said, I want you to be, every, he was standing before a king. He was standing before a king. He was in chains. He says, I wish that you were all things that I am save for these chains. All I'm just trying to say is that you are in the best place. Glory to God. So appreciate your heritage as a Christian. Appreciate your heritage as a Christian. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So the church is God's institution on earth. That's God's institution on earth, and it is God's idea. It is not man's idea. It is not man's idea. The two institutions that God established on earth are the church and marriage, and the devil is hard at work, really, really hard at work to destroy them. God has a plan for how the church should be organized and how it should be run. The church is God's idea. Glory to God. The other one, before I say what I want to say, the body of Jesus Christ, the, body, um, the church is the body of Jesus Christ, and Jesus is what? The head of the church. Twitter is not the head of the church. It looks very funny, but Twitter is not the head of the church. Twitter is not the one going to tell us how to run this body. Jesus is the head of the church. So people have ideas of how this church should be run. They forget that it's not even their organization in the first instance. God, this, this organization called the church is God's idea, and it is run based. So, first and foremost, junk your idea of what you think the church is. God is the one, is the owner of the organization, is the one that runs the organization, his rules, his principle, what he wants is what we used to run this organization, not your ideas. And the moment, if you check history, the moment the church started living according to the way the world wanted them to run, we entered into the dark ages. And that's the temptation we are being faced with today. So everybody is saying we should respond to what they are saying. In the, once we check that the one that called the body and created the body doesn't agree with it, we junk it. Praise God. Hallelujah. The church is a collection of believers. It's a gathering of God's people. So this God that created this church, he now created a structure. Hallelujah. He created a structure for how this organization should run. Hallelujah. And the, what you should do, is accept that structure. Simple and short. He said, when, he, said, he, said, he, said, he said, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Meaning that all that God, Jesus, you know, Jesus, the resurrection of Christ encapsulates all that Christ did on the cross. He now said he gave it to men to administer it to the world. So if you have an issue with pastors, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that is God's order. The earlier you accept it, the better for you. Glory to God. And I'm not trying to say, okay, because I'm a pastor, I have also had to accept it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So what's the role of the pastor? So who, what's the role of the pastor in the church? The pastor, Greek Episcopus, is one of the fivefold ministry gifts appointed by the Lord Jesus. Our ministry, of, the, of the ministry gifts, the pastor is the only one whose calling is primarily to a local assembly. And, what is the, and the role of the pastor is one, to lead the church. That is quite obvious. To lead and to oversee all that is going on within the church. To teach and to preach the word, feeding 
the flock. That is his primary assignment. You know, in the book of, in the book of Acts, when the church started feeding people, there was a lot of welfare going on. People started fighting in the body. Or in, in the body. And the apostle got so made up. And I'm like, eh, 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 this is not our job. Our job is not to feed people. Our church is to give, our work is to give attention to the ministry of the word and prayer. And that's what the pastor is here to do. The, works, the pastor's primary work in your life. You know, there are some people that come. I'm, I'm a zonal pastor, and I see this a lot. People just come and see you as what, what you should give them is money. The primary role of your pastor in your life is to give you the word of God for you. That's how the, your pastor helps you. The way your pastor helps you is not primarily just by giving you money. It's by giving you the word of God and giving. And that is his primary assignment. And as a church member, you need to appreciate that. So that when you come to church, you are not waiting till when, you're, you're not waiting and waiting for some other things. You're waiting for church worship. No, you're coming to listen to what God has said the man of God should give to you. Praise God. Care for and watch over the flock. Ensure their health, their comfort, and their safety. It's also supposed to be an example to the flock of the word of God. We're supposed to demonstrate as pastors. We're supposed to demonstrate the reality of the word of God, the reality of the things that we see in the scriptures. That's what it is. I mean, you might not be able to see God physically. You might not be able to see God, Jesus physically, but through the pastor, the church is meant, the church members are meant to see the word of God in action. Praise God. Also to pray for the flock and the church. Not just to pray for the church when it comes inside, um, when it comes to church, but he's carrying the church um, in his heart, even at home. You know, there's a scripture that says Jesus Christ is able to save us to the uttermost in that he forever lives to make intercession for us. That the way the pastor saves you is by spending time praying for you. And that is our job as a pastor. So what is your own role as a church member? Praise God. Now, role of church member, number one, have the right esteem for the body of Christ. It is the body of Christ. When you honor the body, you honor Christ. That attitude is important as the action. You know, some people see themselves first as career people. They see themselves first as career people before they see themselves as church people. I mean, once you're in the church, the first primary identity you have is the identity of a believer. Praise God. You are not first an hustler. You are not first a businessman. You are first a believer. And what that also does is that it helps you regard the body of Christ. The body of Christ, you must first, you must respect that body. It becomes number one in all that you do. Praise God. Number two, as a believer, come under the authority of, of the church. Every believer must be a member of a local assembly and become accountable to that local assembly. In a bid to avoid accountability, some believers often declare themselves as members of the universal church of the internet church member. You know, nowadays that we have online, where we say share, share, um, share, bring out your phones and share the service. Some people have become comfortable, ah, at least I, can, I attended service. Yes, while that is okay, once a while when you miss church, but you need to be a part of a local body. It says, they that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. The only way you can flourish in this, in, this, in this Christian business is to be planted in the house of the Lord. Glory to God. The only way to be to, to, to flourish in this Christian, in this thing that we're doing is to be planted. Glory to God. Now, it says, be involved in building the body by praying. There's an ongoing spiritual battle for the lives of people. Prayer releases power. Prayer for your brothers and your sisters. Pray for your pastors, your leaders, and pray for the body of Christ. And, and, and I think that a lot of times we don't appreciate what our prayers can do. Hallelujah. We don't appreciate how powerful our prayer for our pastors are. We don't appreciate it. We only think that the pastor should be praying for us. I mean, once you see anything wrong in the body, you know, there are sometimes people see stuff wrong in the body and they are angry and they want to do stuff. I think my own my own. My own advice is take out time. Whatever you see not going on properly, take out. If you can't correct it because it's not within your jurisdiction, if it's above your jurisdiction, what you ought to do is what? Pray for it. And you'll be shocked. You'll be shocked that that thing will be corrected. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Be involved in building the body with your resources. Not just pray, you know. 
you, involve, you get involved with your time, you get involved with your effort, you get involved with your money. Join a department. When, they, when we have a project in the house, make sure that your seed is in there. Because you understand that what we are doing is that we are saving lives. Glory to God. The church is here saving lives. So ensure that all that you have goes into the body. Now, um, be involved in building the body, bringing people to church. Hallelujah. I mean, some people say, ah, churches are going bigger. That churches are even prospering more than uh, businesses. That churches are the one buying all the warehouses. Businesses are shutting up, shutting down, and churches are increasing. What should increase? Tell me. I don't say businesses should not increase, but what should increase? This organization that is saving lives. This organization that is transforming life, it should not increase. So, and there are still so many people that are still lost in that world there. So what we need to do is make sure and ensure that we bring people. This church cannot be too full. If we have 5,000 people coming in for three different services, it is still not enough. We've still not touched the surface of what should happen. So don't have a problem with, what I'm just trying to say, don't have a problem with numbers where the body of Christ is concerned. Get involved with it. Do not cause division. How do you cause division? by just talking all over the place, carrying everybody's matter all over the place. Don't join the, the league of people that just carry people's matter all over the place. Shut up. Just shh, shh, shh. Don't join that gang. It's a dangerous thing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Because those things, says, it, says, um, it, says, it, says, it says, it says, because people did that, they, they, they spread the root of bitterness in the body, and that thing caused division. It causes us to be powerless. When you go around talking to people, you are leaking power in the body. You are leaking power. Glory to God. Now, um, why should you attend church and be a member of a local assembly? Number one, to have a place where you can have fellow believers help you to obey the word of God. You know, it is easier when you are in the company of people that obey the word of God. What does Psalm 1 say? It says, blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, does not stand in the way of sinners, does not stand, sit in the seat of the scornful. The first thing you first do is set yourself apart from a company before you now start meditating on the word. So meaning that your company, some of us, we got born again, and it was in the church that we started learning how to read the Bible, follow the word. So when you're in the company of believers, it is easier to obey the word of God. Hallelujah. When you're seeing people getting results, when you're seeing people getting results with us, so that's why we say join the church, to obey the command of love. Right? To obey the command of love. I am in your life to help you obey the command of love. So sometimes I will step on your, on your toes. I am there to help you obey the command of love. Hallelujah. So sometimes I will stand in your face. Your brother will step on your foot. But he's just there to help you ensure that you have an opportunity to express your nature. Hallelujah. To obey the command of love. To have people to love. You know, some people say church people. Hmm. Church people, I don't want to deal with church people anymore because they've had bad experiences. Man, that is a wrong response. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let me run through this. To identify with other believers, because we are members of one another, we belong. These are biblical reasons for joining the church. Because we are members of one another, we belong together. The bond, the bond that binds us, you know the way you think to think of the churches, the bond that binds us is stronger than even the bond that binds your brothers. Do you know that? Do you know that the bond that binds us as believers, forget that we came from different homes, that we come from different tribes, that which blinds us, that which is flowing through us, is stronger than what is running through your brother and your sister. So if your brother and your sister are not born again, and both of us are both born again, what connects us is stronger than what is between you and your brother. The more you begin, the, the earlier you get to think of, it might sound like heresy, but that is the fundamental truth. So we belong to one another. It's a place for spiritual growth and development. Hallelujah. It allows you to, it gives you the accountability you need to grow. You need accountability to grow. Glory to God. You need accountability to grow. You need, you know, growth is an intentional process. You don't just grow overnight. There are things you do regularly, 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 right? The church provides that accountability for you. Like when we say come for pursuit prayers and we are monitoring you to do it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That accountability is to help us grow, not just to monitor us. It is to help us grow and ensure that we grow our capacity. Hallelujah. It provides a spiritual family to support and encourage you in your work with Christ. 
It gives you a place to discover and use your gifts for ministry. And this is really, really important. One of the biggest things that you get from church is that you find that a lot of people that are doing great stuff out there today, they started in a church. I know two, three people when we were in Mushin who started, they, they started using church to do print work. They, they learned, I knew when the person that is currently doing print started doing the print stuff way back then when we were in Mushin. Today now, He's built, he's built a business out of that. Glory to God. I mean, some people that are talking out there, Pastor Jimmy and all of you, where did they own their skills? Right here in the church. And that's what you get. One of the biggest things you get working in church. Hallelujah. So how do you handle relationship within a church? Two biggest ways of handling relationship is love and honor. That should be your guide, guiding light. Glory to God. Love and honor. As believers, we're expected to love God to let God's love flow through us to people around us unconditionally. In expressing God's love, we also show forth the fruits of the Spirit. In fellowshiping with other believers, there may be disagreements and hurts. The Bible stressed the need to allow the love of God in our hearts to overflow in such situations. Um, honor. Love is different from honor. Love is love, as in I care about you. And um, then, then, then honor. Honor is to, means to respect, hold in high esteem. The Bible requires that we respect every man. Every man is deserving of respect. The basis for respect is not that you are driving a big car and I'm not driving a big car. That's not the basis of respect. If that's how you are looking at respect, you are still looking at man from a natural point of view. You don't understand, as in, if you know human beings, you'll be scared. As in, you'll be afraid. Why? Because scripture says that... That's... If you know who a human being is, even if he's clothed, if he doesn't have anything now, human beings can change overnight. That guy that, doesn't, that has the wrong attitude today, by the time you see him three years, four years down the line, can have the right attitude and will have transformed forever. And that's why you don't look at people based on, and that's not the way God deals with us. God deals with us based on who we truly are. So what are the truths about honor? Honor makes relationships work. Everyone wants to be honored. Everyone wants to be appreciated no matter their status in life. And church is not where we begin to talk about status. Glory to God. So respect everybody. Honor between parents and children. So there are different places to talk about honor. There should be honor between parents and children. Honors between believers. Honor between husbands and wives. Honors between bosses and subordinates. Honor between pastors and their church members. Honor between leaders, um, church political leaders and their citizens. Now, when you honor people, it also breeds honor. Honor is involved in the way we relate with people. It involves how you think about people. So honor is just that, you are that I am bowing down does not mean I'm honoring you. Do you know that? That I'm bowing down does not mean I'm honoring you. Honor is, starts from within. You respect the person from deep within. You talk and The way you talk and address people with honor, you talk with respect. Hallelujah. You treat people how you give and what you give. When people dishonor, dishonor you, take the high road. Don't give them a piece of your mind. Glory to God. When people dishonor you, the way to do it is not to give them the piece of your mind. Hallelujah. Sometimes things do not go well in relationship. There can be disagreement. There can be failure on the side of one party or even both sides. But it is not an excuse to act in dishonor. The wrong way is to get angry, cut off people, tell tales, walk away. The right way, examine yourself. So let's we'll look at all of that. Now, the last thing I want us to look at is the power of the Holy Communion. The Holy Communion, also known as the Lord's Supper, represents the expression of God's love for his people. Two items are used in the Holy Communion. The bread, which represents Jesus' body, and the cup, which represents his shed blood. At the cross, God took all our sicknesses and diseases and put them on Jesus. So what are the benefits of the Holy Communion? A healthy body and mind are a blessing for everyone. So we know that when we're partaking, um, Pastor T has talked a lot about how the communion was the secret weapon that he used to be able to reverse that, those, those years of barrenness, in quotes. They were in quotes. Those years of barrenness were in quotes. But those were the things that reversed it. Announces the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ to the principalities of, heavens, of the heavenlies and the earth. And it brings to us the consciousness of the forgiveness of our sins. Hallelujah. We are forgiven. Glory to God. Now, reminder of his love for you and the defeat of the devil. So when we take the communion, we remember that the devil has been defeated. 
reminder of the release and the release of the power of our covenant with God. When, I take the, when we take the communion, we remember that Jesus Christ took an oath. God took an oath that he cannot get away with except he dies. And we know God cannot die, so we are sure. So when I come to the table, I know that this thing that I'm doing is backed by the oath of God. Strengthen the bond we share with other believers, and it marks the separation from the world. How do we partake in the Holy Communion? Number one, we discern the body of Christ. That means, to discern means to see beyond the surface, that I'm not just taking bread and water, bread and wine. That's not it. We look beyond that to perceive the inner reality. Recognize the bond you have with Christ and other believers. Then what do you do when you come to take believer? You do it in faith. What does it mean you do it in faith? You believe that you're not just doing something that is ordinary. You come knowing that something supernatural, you're taking part in something supernaturally, and you do it as often as possible. I know this. My, my in-law, when he was out of job, I knew there was one thing he used to do. He would take communion every day. Every day. He, took, he would take communion every day. And in six months, he was, he was out of job for like six, seven, eight months, but in the after six months, he got one of the jobs that he had been designed to work in one of the companies. That's how powerful that thing is. So let us take it. Thank you very much. Um, hallelujah. I think um, Pastor T will probably take um, the announcement. So thank you very much. God bless you. The preceding message was brought to you by King's Word Everywhere, Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-006-40.